Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Welcome to Bald Moves True Detective Podcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we have just finished watching, uh, actually the season has just wrapped up uh, a few days ago, and we haven't done any coverage of it yet, but we we said this is such a good show, we can't miss covering it, so we're going to do a season wrap up here. Uh, I It's also to quiet the fans, because <laughs> there's been a dull roar about when's and I said... Uh-huh. Going in, because I thought Justified would be the most painful cut of, like, stuff we wouldn't be able to fit in coverage before we go full-time. Yeah. But it turns out, by far, True Detective, uh, it stung me on a weekly basis. You actually didn't start watching until later, late last week. Yeah, I two days ago, I, was I mainlined there, the whole season. I was sitting there, and I'm like, man, we're missing out, we're missing out. It's like, yeah, you know, but... The, but we, we make it a policy not to really cover season one of a show, because you don't know how good it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, we might be modifying that now that we have more time than since. But uh, <laughs> the other thing is, like, when people ask us, it's like, you should do a podcast. That's a tall order because it's mm-hmm. not like we just watch and just say anything we want to say. I mean, when you ask us to do a podcast, you're asking us to watch an episode multiple times and do a whole bunch of research and have mm-hmm. something actually informative to say. Uh, this is going to be the closest you're ever going to get to a podcast where we just – and have have as little <laughs> prep as possible because yeah we don't have to create any art we don't have to get any music none yeah. of that we're just going to release it under the bald move tv feed so yeah and the show was fascinating mm-hmm. but unfortunately i also think that there's not nearly as much to talk about after the final episode as this as if we'd have been covering this on a week to week basis yeah yeah and that's you know that's probably the case with any kind of crime uh mystery show i guess right and the fact you know i this is the only show i can think of that has this format where it's basically a continual yeah. a continual mini series every year um it's going to continue on with the same writer and producer but they're going to have a rotating i guess director but i mean this was mm-hmm. this was written different by the same cast guy, entirely a different, different scenario cast, probably different i mean it's probably not going to be set in the same area although definitely that, not yeah oh really but, i've i've heard but i can't remember where it's supposed to be set Gotcha. Because I've heard a couple things um, that we can talk about towards the end of the cast. Um, okay. About that that Nick uh, uh, Pizzolatto 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 uh, uh, mentioned about <laughs> you know where he sees it going and things like that. So okay, uh, cool. So yeah, I I feel it, it's such a deep show. There are so many literary references in here that I will completely admit I don't have a handle on. And having just watched it two days ago, I did not have time to look. It would take me weeks. Let's like, start I would have there. had to be watching it through the eight weeks that it was Because airing. now that it's over, I don't think the literary references were all they were cracked up to be. I mean, a okay. lot of the – this cult was basically founded on a few lines of 
a fictional play found in a book called The King in Yellow. Yeah, just like a short story, right? It was an anthology of short stories, and there was like three of them that touch on this play. And the the first one um, was the one that is, is it features most prominently. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. – and I got the book because Amazon is giving it away as an uh, EPUB during this show run, which is kind of clever of them. Yeah. And I started reading some of it, but it was, it was kind of a tough slog. And then I started reading a Wikipedia article about it, and I guess this guy intentionally wrote it as an experimental piece of fiction. Hmm. Okay. Like he broke – he intended to set out all the – to break all the rules of star- storytelling. It features an unreliable narrator and weird time shifts <laughs> and uh, changing points of view. Mm-hmm. But um, so it's about this play called The King in Yellow, mm-hmm. and it's designed the, the the King in Yellow as the play is designed to drive the reader insane. Yeah, like if you read the first page of the second act, you cannot stop reading it, uh-huh. and then you will be insane by the time it's over. And I thought that that is kind of a clever commentary on the watching experience of this. Okay. In what way? What do you mean? I certainly am not insane. Well, no, at no, this no. Point. But it's like it, it, <laughs> it, it did set people. I mean, there are uh, people on the internet that I won't say went crazy. Sure, but it inspired levels of analysis that I don't think I've seen since probably Lost. Lost, yeah. Lost is the one. Lost is what really started me on podcast because of that very fact. Because there was so much analysis to do. There were so many literary references in that as well. That if you didn't keep up in podcasts and in forums, you weren't getting the whole experience. And I feel like that's very much the same in this show. But I also thought it was interesting commentary on the cult itself because it seems like you had – this started who knows how long ago. We Mm -hmm. we at least had grandfathers involved. Sure. And they would recruit people in by basically – it seems like if you take uh, Childress's – Errol Childress's word for it, that they do these dark, unspeakable things that – that that twist and pervert the their acolytes mm-hmm. into their philosophy, and it's just this self perpetuating cycle of victims becoming uh, victimizers. Unless you're a female, and then you just fucked, you're you're slaughtered. Yeah, um, and there's some dark and disturbing stuff there. But also, um, just like the king in yellow was just kind of like a, a thing to hang a story on. Uh, I feel like that uh, Nick Pizzolato, uh used this serial killer arc as as a uh, something just to pin the story to te- they want to tell about uh, Rust and Marty. Okay, you know the serial p- killer plot resolved in a fairly perfunctory way. In fact, oh, yeah. you know, like um, you know, longtime fan Bobby Z uh, called the resolution of the entire season by the third episode. He, he, he mm-hmm. Facebooked it to me huh. um, nice. and all the clues were there. And in fact, I remember people saying that the lawn mowing man was probably the spaghetti face monster guy from around uh-huh. that same time. And it turns out that's the way, you know, and the Tuttles were involved and all this stuff. But I read an interview with um, the creator that, that said, you could basically look at episode one and know 85% of the story. Like right. all the clues are hidden in there. You just don't know how to connect those pieces yet. But it was a story about these men, and I think that's a, the other reason why I think that The King in Yellow is appropriate because it seems like these guys were disturbed to the point of arguable craziness over 
their own involvement with, you know, these violent crimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rust, um, uh, obviously uh, losing his daughter and his marriage profoundly impacted him. Yeah, but I could then, argue he's a little bit crazy to begin with. <laughs> right, but I mean, the stuff that he did in his uh, top secret undercover narco duty. Oh, yeah. You know, really finished a job that life had started on him. <laughs> and Marty, it's, you know, he's presented in the first episode as like this paragon of normality. And even sitting oh sitting in judgment of, of, of Russ, because he yeah. said several times, like, you know, Russ, just, you know, some guys, when they don't have families, they just turn out weird. Yeah. But me, you know, I was grounded by my wife and kids. And as we learned through the story, I feel like Russ was more of a family man. It's it's really weird, the twist on their relationship that happened somewhere along the, the middle, line. Right. Yeah. Because I felt very much like that, too. Like... Marty was the guy who was just normal Joe. Mm-hmm. And I actually, at the end, felt like Rust was probably a better person overall. Because, I mean, we look at some of the stuff that Marty did. Uh, Marty cheated on his wife. Then he promised he wouldn't do it. He did it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, not honest. Not uh, Doesn't have much willpower. Not a very strong man. Uh, Rust, on the other hand, yes, he doesn't have many of those vices to fall into. And he does have his own vices with drugs sure. and stuff. But that is not affecting anyone else. Sure. Uh, I feel like Rust in the end understood things better, and that's you know what the the end is really about, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a minute. I think, but, that, but he's a be- he's a better person, I think overall. I mean, he's not as judgmental it's, it's, on this show. It's hard to be, but he is, and like he said, that I guess yeah, end. he is in his own way, especially that that scene where he's in the tent with uh, while the guy's preaching. Well, and not only that, that, but that he, he clearly was judging Marty the whole time and was making sure. value judgments about how he was but living so was his Marty. life. That's the yeah. thing, that Marty was accusing him of sitting in judgment when we know from episode one and two, he mm-hmm. was basically casting aspersions and judging the way Russ lived the whole time, too. Yeah, I think, and he, I think he says as much as The only difference point. is Russ is more honest about where he's coming from. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Marty is full of shit about his family life and full of shit yeah. about what he really needs and what he's looking for out of life, whereas Russ is yeah. honest. And that honesty is, um, I don't want to say, uh, like, disturbing, uh-huh. but it's it's you, you don't usually meet people that honest about how they feel in life almost never yeah and there's fact, a really interesting line that that uh marty delivers in episode two i think where he says that russ needed things he didn't he couldn't admit to mm. but i think the same could be applied oh, to, to marty as well of course he's just not looking in that mirror and also like rust is able to able to appear like a normal person and that was a point they made in the second episode too because marty started yeah, yeah. complaining about all this crazy shit he's saying is like you know <laughs> You're the one that wanted me to come out and have beers and talk about life and let you inside, and you can't complain when you don't like what I'm saying. Yeah, or when I show up drunk at your house for dinner. <laughs> Maybe uh, you can complain then. I found myself disturbingly agreeing with almost everything that Russ mentioned in his life philosophy. Almost everything I agree with, yeah. Re- there, there were very few things that I, I was just like, no, I don't agree with that. And it was mostly stuff – the stuff I didn't agree with was stuff that he had changed his mind about huh. at the end of the series or the end of the season, I guess. Yeah, I, because the thing that – I even found myself agreeing with like statements like life has no purpose. Like, In a very general sense, I, although I would modify and say life has the purpose we give it. 
so it basically that's the way I feel, and I feel like that's the healthy way to live, and that's the way I choose to live my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, it's almost like I'm choosing to take the blue pill in the Matrix. Okay. Like this is an unthinking, unfeeling universe that we are just a, a speck, and we're going to be gone in the blink. We're and and no one will ever remember us, and nothing we do matters. Okay. You can either just lay down and die, or you can have as much fun and you know do as many positive things as you can in life, and that's what I choose to do. Yeah. But it just does really feel like I'm just tricking. It's like a mental trick you play to for keep me, yourself from being a complete fucking waste. <laughs> from <kid>. being rust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from a universal perspective, that's probably true. Although I kind of like not. I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory, but I like the theory that we are. The universe's conscience coming alive, uh, kind of like it did in humans, the same way. It's just kind of a, a meta level up, mm. uh, which is an interesting theory, but one we probably don't have to go into here. It uh, seems a little uh, uh, Rogan-y. It does. It's got a whiff of Rogan in it. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I don't remember where I heard it. It might have very well be been Joe on his Rogan. podcast. It's got to be Joe he, He's <laughs> taking DMT in mass quantities yeah. on that podcast. <laughs> DMT, LSD, and cocaine all at the same time. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I think you're probably right on that philosophy that in the universal perspective, none of this matters because whether we're expanding infinitely or collapsing in on uh, the universe again, it's all going to go away eventually, right? Mm-hmm. I, but there's still the, the dialogue and the way Matthew McConaughey delivered it. Oh, yeah. And that's... That's why I'm I'm kind of worried about like next season, and it's probably too early to talk about this. But what are the odds? Because we got the one writer who's going to stick around. We mm-hmm. got the one director who just was able to get every little bit uh, out of every single character that he had on screen. We had Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson just giving the performances of their lifetimes. Yeah. Uh, what is the chance that they can catch that lightning in a bottle twice? Not great. Um, you need seasoned actors and ones who are method. I mean, you can't. Matthew McConaughey gets into that role like I've never seen anybody get into a role. I mean, from top to bottom, when he's young, when he's 17 years older. I mean, he just delivers a stellar performance, it, and it, it did, Woody Harrelson as well. And I read an interview with Woody Harrelson that he said that Matthew McConaughey was kind of an asshole. Hmm. Um, you know that they've they've known each other, and you know, I mean, psh, they're the two probably dope smoking as actors in Hollywood. <laughs> so I'm sure he they showed up did. at his door naked with bongos. Is that yeah? What but I, yeah, I was thinking that that's kind of what it'd be like. You know, offset they're going to be. It's just going to be all you know, blunts and bowls twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess that going to this place for that long and you know giving that deadpan demeanor yeah um you know kind of made him a, a dick not not a dick to work with but he it, 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 he wasn't a lot of fun sure i could totally see that um i i don't really don't know who else i'd call on to do a similar job i mean maybe if philip seymour hoffman were still alive i know he's delivered a lot of performances well i heard um standing like a that. lot of people floating around brian cranston okay all right season two detective uh maybe it would be really hard for me to separate him from walter white at this point but i, I don't know it depends on the character he plays i think mm. for me 
And and I, they also can't just make they can't. That's the other thing that's hard for me to wrap my head around because I'm seeing who could be Russ and Marty, but that's the wrong way to look at this. Yeah, and, they're new characters now. And in fact, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about uh, season two. I guess um, I've read hints. In fact, there was someone that tweeted. I think it was Seppenwall, but then he recanted that they're leaning towards having a two female detectives next season. Okay. Um, and then that's the case, like. I have no idea what this show ceiling is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the rare things where it's like, um, you know, most television is kind of made for me at this point. I'm a, you know, middle-aged white dude. Sure. Um, yeah. And when I try to think of like, okay, well, what will this be like with two women? I literally have no idea. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who I would try to cast in uh, in a role similar to Marty or Russ. But you can't do that because I don't think that's like – um, you know, I, I, are, are, are women going to be as machismo as these guys were? Like, you know, Marty was always trying to provoke Russ and yeah, Russ was doing I, that weird, like, check my blood pressure thing. Yeah. They got which was the epic. only way we ever knew that he was at, in any way nervous. Right, right, like, right. Like, that's or why they had him do that. Or perturbed, yeah. yeah. So he could show emotion on screen. Yeah. And I, I just don't see... I mean, they could do that with the women, but I always think that's lame when they're just like, you know, it's like, well, we want a tough woman, so we'll just make her act like a man. Sure. And that's problematic the way I'm speaking of that, too. But, you know, whatever. No, um, but I, I get what you're saying. There there are differences. Um, that, <laughs> How about CCH Pounder? Bring her in. <laughs> the Pounder. Yeah, because she was good in The Shield. Real good in The Shield. Yeah, pair her up with, oh, who's the girl from The Wire? Uh, uh, I don't remember her name. The one that was on the uh, the street that the was supervising uh-huh. Herc and um, my God, I need to watch The Wire again. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, bring, I, bring those two in. Yeah, I mean that would be interesting. It, it, sure, it would be. Uh, I wonder if there's anybody who's non like hasn't played a cop role who we might want to cast in there. Yeah, because yeah, I remember being excited for this season when it started. Um, you know, like, oh, this is going to be cool. But mm-hmm. I didn't really have an inkling. It was more like a stunt. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. You wanted to see, oh, they've got these big-name movie stars in this Kima. one-off season of the show. Right. Yeah, cer- certainly that's an interesting experiment. Um, But just still, like, I don't – It's because they've done a lot of serious dramatic work. But I don't ever think of them in that term. I think of them as goofballs. I think of them as com- comedic actors. Oh, hell yeah. I'm and, in Zombieland. And, yeah, and Harrelson <laughs> was able to use a lot of that, a lot more of that than, than Rust was. Hmm. I mean, Rust was very funny, but mostly in reaction to what he was getting from Wood. Like, that was my favorite moments in the show was when he would say something so brutally real and or off the wall yeah. and would uh marty would just kind of like look across the <laughs> and they went away from that for a while because they split yeah. the band up but i thought that was what was brilliant about the last episode is we got mm. almost that early season dynamic they've been apart for x amount of years with more baggage too with with more baggage and all this stuff between them yeah uh it, i did not I, i'm gonna say that i did not laugh out loud once during this show the the tone of it i laughed is... so hard in the first episode no no the tone of this show was so heavy to me from start to finish you had a real hard you had a problem with that and i because you, you're like man uh the first couple episodes you're like i this is i undeniably good yes but i feel 
so depressed <laughs> when I yeah. watch it. And I said, okay, well, at least watch until you get to episode four. Sure. So I watched through the first three episodes, and I was like, I don't know how this right. show is going to hook me because it is dark very, it's like very looking dark. At, like, it's like how I feel looking at modern art. I recognize that this is good and uh-huh. interesting, but I'd rather go over to the classical <laughs> section and see shit that I can actually say, that's a, that's a picture that looks like a fucking horse. Yeah, and yeah. And but the more photorealistic it is, the better it looks, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> but it's not just that I – it's not that I didn't understand what the show was going for. No, right. I just couldn't handle it. It right. was so dark, so so thick. So why did season why so did episode, episode four? four uh, it wasn't the one that actually hooked hooked me on this show. Hmm. Episode four said, "I said, okay, I can sit back and maybe appreciate this show in a different manner." Because um, that that last few minutes of that episode is just outstanding. I mean, when they do the the handheld. Like it's a six-minute un- unbroken yeah. tracking shot of them incredible just going through this shithole, and the tension prod- even leading up to that is yeah. just—it's palpable. You can taste it in the air while Matthew McConaughey is sitting in this vehicle riding with these lunatics. Yes, and into I- this situation that is untenable right. in every regard. Right. It 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 blew me away, and I don't see. I mean. I don't think I've ever seen a better hour of television. I've seen some hours that are probably that good. Hmm. I mean, like box cutters, okay. amazing. Yeah, uh, some of the things in the final episode of uh, Tahajali was. Yeah, of, of Breaking Bad were good. The Wire. I never thought any one individual episode of Wire, uh, taken on its own, mm, yeah. was was that just like holy shit? It was more like the season as a whole and how those pieces fit together. Yeah. Um, and the insights, what you get an episode where it's like it, it layered another thing that made everything else pop. And you're just like, wow, because of the storytelling. Yeah. This was just a fucking tour de force. I yeah. couldn't, I, I couldn't sleep after I saw that episode. Yeah. It, it was incredible. And then that rolls into episode five where, um, Marty has his marriage busted up by this girl he was sleeping with, uh, that that was incredible, and then episode six, the the end shot of episode six is what actually did it for me. When uh, Marty and Russ have this fight over um, him fucking his wife, mm-hmm. uh, and during that fight, he Marty throws or uh, Russ throws Marty into his truck, mm-hmm. and it busts out the taillight. Mm-hmm. And then seventeen years later. Mm-hmm. Or, no, it's not 17 years later, is it? It's like it's maybe whatever. It's uh, like over a decade later. Like 2002 to 2012, I think is what okay. The so it's is. a decade later. He's yeah. not replaced that light, uh-huh. but that lets you know in that one shot the status of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like just driving down the side of the road, mm-hmm. and it's just a brilliant shot mm-hmm. that tells you everything you need to know. And that hooked me. The, huh. This show is just really, really good. It does nail the details really well, and it's, it's yeah. It's funny because I would thought on a season wrap up that we'd be talking a lot more about the plot and the murder, but stuff. It's like I feel like that, um, and I uh, there was a lot of mixed reaction to this. Um, I won't say a lot because I'd say to the finale universally claimed. There's a lot of people that had a big problem with the fact that some of the stuff um, didn't 
actually pan off the way they were hoping it would. For example, <laughs> what? Um, let's That's talk crazy. about some of this like foreshadowing that went nowhere. For example, okay. in the first few episodes, Marty's oldest daughter was clearly packaged as some kind of damaged goods. Sure. She's arranging her Barbies to look like <laughs> a, a fucking gangbang rape gangbang suicide murder investigation yeah uh there also the dolls that were standing kind of looked like it was a russ and cole uh or not russ and cole russ and marty cole and hart mm-hmm. um there uh she had those drawings that were confiscated pictures she was then sexually promiscuous and at the, at the end of the season a lot of people were like oh maybe she's going to be the final victim and it's going to be this seven situation where he's going to come in too late and that's going to draw you know it's there's all these theories swirling around that, and that just went nowhere. It didn't feel like there was a conclusion to him and his daughter. In fact, Nick, Nick Pizzolatto said, I didn't intend that to go anywhere. I intended mm-hmm. that to be a commentary on um, absentee fathers okay. and how it affects you know young women. And that they – you know that, that basically uh, the sexual promiscuity and all that was a way to get attention. And that's basically what she said. It's like, you know, why did you make these pictures? Well, because the other, it made the other kids laugh or it made them happy. And you know, she's, she mm-hmm. does a two-way with these two guys that Marty beat the shit out of, which was yeah. – um, yeah, I don't know how to feel about that scene because it was really fucking cool. But I can't exactly <laughs> condone uh, the behavior of the uh, police officer involved. Yeah, certainly illegal. Um Lots of illegal stuff goes around. Like, Marty is a... I, <laughs> yeah. I, and, and they played a little bit of that in the middle where, like, maybe Marty is involved in this. Or maybe, you know, maybe he fucking killed a lady that he was sleeping with and decided to make it look like the serial killer because he used the knowledge of the case. And then maybe it's like, then, oh, Ru- then they're saying Rust was uh, involved in this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, he was the... Um, uh, the, the 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 suspect um, mm-hmm. throughout the whole season. Yep. Um, so that was one. That, and there's also other things about like uh, Marty was driving down the road, and the shot was framed. There was like a fast food thing with a golden crown, like in uh, on a neon sign, and it was framed where it was right over Marty's head. Or, uh, Russ said <laughs> okay. in his truck. Yeah. And people were like fuck Russ the Yellow, Yellow King. King. That yep. was supposedly according to the director. Uh, uh, Fuka Hot. What is his name? Um, shit. I wrote this stuff down so I wouldn't uh, forget it. <laughs> uh, Kerry Fukunaga. Okay. He said that was just an accident in framing. Completely. Okay. All right. <laughs> Basing the stuff on the Yellow King or the That's King in Yellow, and there's a golden yeah. crown. Right. 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 And also other things like some of the girls' drawings. They had like these spiral things, are reminiscent of mm. the cult symbol. Yeah. And I guess they just had a bunch of kids draw pictures. And just went and hung them up a set dressing, and that just was a happenstance. Yeah. So, like, that's one of the consequences of, and it makes me think about some of the stuff Vince Gilligan did. Like, mm-hmm. what you know, we talked about well, such brilliant foreshadowing. The Gale's apartment had a bust that <laughs> half of its face was a different color. Uh huh. Did they just bit, get that shit out of Goodwill or the Pottery Barn? Or, or probably whatever and, and throw it up there and then it just worked out that way especially yeah. knowing how breaking bad is produced yeah but, yeah their, their idea was we take things that we've already done and just write around them it seems like anytime a show is this deliberate and careful and it's plotting people are going to read much more into it than what the creators intended oh for sure and i think that's a big part of 
the show itself. Um, I know that uh, the creator, Pizzolatto, actually wrote the whole thing before mm-hmm. they began shooting mm-hmm. at all. So he had time to refine the story and make sure that everything worked throughout the entire season. That's that's a really good way to do it, and it gives you the ability to do things uh, with more detail. It's so hard though, because oh yeah, you know you lose. I think, and that's you lose some of the flexibility. Like if this is a show where they're kind of writing as it go, I wonder if the end would feel so perfunctory. Hmm. Okay, um, and that's the other thing. Like maybe not. Um, every the week by week, if you're reading a novel you don't usually get a chance to like indulge in a lot of these conspiracy theories and overanalyze because you're just reading and keep reading, keep reading and eventually it's over Yeah, when you write that way. But then when it's released as weekly thing, I think people do make kind of mountains out of molehills. Sure. When you have a week to process an hour's worth of content. Right. But I was prepared because like one of the interviews that Alan Suppenwall had um, with uh, Nick Pizzolatto before the season began he he mentioned because Alan Suppenwald had seen the first two episodes. He's like, "Well, I don't know how excited I want to get about serial killers because that's kind of played out. <laughs> it was a big part oh, of the yeah. bridge. It's like Hannibal's like serial killer fucking X Files, um, and and you know we got all the different movies and the Hannibal Lecters. And one thing that the Pizzolatto said that was interesting was that he said, "I am not interested at all in serial killers." Okay, that's, so that kind of clued me in that. You know, kind of like uh, I was one of the only people not disappointed by the Phantom Menace because you remember when we talked about it as kids, we're like, what do mm-hmm. you want to see? And there's like every all of our friends are about different things. And people ask me and I'm like, I just hope we see some cool lightsaber battles. OK, you got some of those. So I was like, I was only <laughs> I was actually retroactively disappointed, like when the third one came around and I'm like, well, shit, this isn't that he just fucking dropped the ball. Oh, you know, I was right. content to just kind of let him. It's George Lucas, you know. I'll let him. I'll let him tell the story. Damn it! <laughs> but then at the end, I'm like, it became. I, I'm super pissed at the prequels as a whole, just because it's you know he wastes my time. A lot of bullshit. Yeah. I gained, came in thinking that serial killer plot wouldn't be that big a deal, and that's nice because I came in thinking very much this is a cop show. I'm not super interested in it right okay. off the bat, and that didn't help with you know the first <laughs> first episode being so heavy. Um, it, it was so, it's so much more than just the serial killer angle though. Mm. I mean, it, we talked earlier about the spiral drawings, uh, right. and some of the kids pictures, uh, that spiral to me is very important in this show mm-hmm. because it's something that Russ sees at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, in this kind of vague way that he, it, to me, it represents the understanding of Russ and he doesn't quite understand Everything at the beginning. He's searching right. for that understanding. At the very end, when he's at Carcosa and he's looking up into the sky and he's seeing this grand vision around him of the universe. Which is awesome. In- incredible. Absolutely incredible. So straight out of Cosmos. But everything is so much more vivid and yeah. so much more – I mean it's in three dimensions. Yeah. It's just – it's there and he sees it and he understands it. Right. And that to me is when he changes his mind about this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Like when he becomes – he changes from the pessimist that he was to the optimist that he is at the end. Yeah. And I, you know, it's weird because you talk to some people have like quote unquote religious experiences and how it can profoundly affect one's lives. I don't know that I've ever had a religious experience, but I've had one or two experiences that profoundly affected the way I view life in a positive way. 
Um, and those have like stuck with me for years and years. So I totally buy, you know, that's one next thing I was going to ask you about. Like, how did you feel about Russ's conversion to light at the end? Because a lot of people were mm. like, that's a cop out. Oh, and I disagree. Blatant, uh, happy ending. But like, it is a happy ending. And certainly the light is winning. I mean, how many people, how many horrible, truly deserving of death people did they take out? Three at least? Four. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Three at, at least. At least three. And none of them died. So I think the light did win in this. And I case. was convinced Russ was going to die. I was too when yeah. he was talking. When he got that gut wound. Oh, and then he was talking oh. about how a lot other episodes, like you know, I was wanting to tie off this whole thing off. Yeah, and I could. I thought he's going to die in the takedown, or one of the last scenes was going to be him hanging himself, or Ugh. you know, Dark. overdosing on drugs, something. Um, the fact that both of them survived are in, like, this interesting, positive place was a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah. Although I, I'm not so I, – I don't know. I mean, where is Marty at the end of this? I, I didn't get a super clear read on where he stands because Rust had to kind of put him in his place about how he sees the universe at the well, very end. I think that – Marty has gotten a lot more honest with himself, you know, like, who are you seeing? Okay. Oh, I'm seeing some girls. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. That is much better than trying to force the family guy to work. And he, he clearly cares about his family. He was touched that they're there. Yeah. Um, but he realizes what an asshole he's been and how much he's put himself through. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know what's, what's important to Marty. And what's one of the other questions I want to ask you is where do you see these two going? Like, Hmm. I've got this fantasy that they're going to co-found an investigation agency and they're going to do uh, detective work for pay. They're going to do some pro bono child uh, child abduction stuff and just be badasses until someone kills them <laughs> or they get too old and die of old age. Uh-huh. Um, that's cool. That's my kind of like how I see what happens after the credits roll. What about hmm. you? Well, I have a question that I have to ask before I can answer that one. Uh, and that question is, was was Cole actually a detective when he went to Carcosa? He's no, not. He's, a he's just a dude. Yeah. Did he have any authority to be there whatsoever? No. And that was an interesting thing I thought with um, Hart, uh, with uh, mm-hmm. Marty, when he met with uh, the uh, – I think he's the younger of the two detectives – um, that they were that they were talking to in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he definitely looks younger. Uh, I can't know. I think he's Pap- Papania. The bald guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Hart was saying, like, you're the only one that I can read. Yeah. And I got the impression that Papania, when he said, you know, you he's like, you want the call or not? And he's like, yeah, make the call. That Marty realized that that he wasn't going to take him seriously. Okay. Like that they, it, 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 and that's why it's like, you know, they did call in for backup and all that stuff. Um, but I, I saw them as that he made decision there that, the, that him and Russ were going to cowboy up just like they did against <laughs> Reggie Ledoux. Uh-huh. And Which we all, need to talk about. We'll, we need to talk we'll about there. that. But I, I feel like that that's when he made the decision that, like, I can read you. Let me see if you're going to – if you actually believe me in all this and, and you – or are you still stubbornly stuck to the Russ did it theory and all that shit? And, and, uh-huh. and he read that on that guy's face. Okay. 
Um, but but neither of them had any official capacity there. They were essentially both trespassing, right? Well, I mean, I so guess. it could be argued that Errol had the right to defend his property or whatever. Well, sure, and that they were actually not in the right by killing him, although. Morally, certainly they were in the right. I don't know legally because legally there's... maybe Marty and Russ could end up in jail. Is all I'm saying. We, well, it just <laughs> depends what they found before they put him in put him in jail because you know there still is such a thing as citizens arrest and you know, uh, I don't know if, how that works. Okay, if you catch some, if you if you're a c- citizen and you see a crime being committed, especially if it's a felony, and you stop it, mm-hmm. I mean you just you just better be fucking right or yeah, you're yeah, open yeah. yourself up to a lawsuit or worse. Sure. Um, but that's the same principle that, like, you know, department store security guys make stops all the time. Uh-huh. And that's why they have to never break line of sight once they see you take something. Because if they do and there's a chance that you dropped it and that they stop you, then it's a false arrest. Cops can't really yeah. be prosecuted for false arrest. But <laughs> citizens can. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, clearly uh, if, if they were wrong about uh, – <laughs> Uh, Errol there. Yeah, I don't think be... they were wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> I really don't think so. But yeah, but that was another. This, uh, the whole time is a flat circle. That was also very interesting too. The fact uh... that this was a larger scale version of the regular to do bust. Yes, oh, they yeah. got a monster off the streets, but they didn't get all of them. Sure, and they didn't get everyone that's in the conspiracy. So let's talk about that a little bit. Tuttle, Tuttle uh-huh. is obviously part of this conspiracy, right? He, we we don't have any absolute evidence for I, that. Well, Russ stole a videotape of a of a of a young girl being murdered or raped or something from oh, his one of his mini that's vacation. That's where homes. it came from. Okay. That was a great scene too. How f- f- fucking trippy that was. Where there's multiple coals like burglarizing multiple places all in the same scene. Hmm. Okay, I don't. I don't the know. The guy in a black ski mask. There was like three of them, and it was just rust in different places in time and space. And okay, they put them all in the one scene. And I'm, hmm. um, but yeah. So it's like he's at the least a sick fucker. Sure, sure. That that is buying or bankrolling. I, is he part of the? Is he one of the ones wearing the mask and the robes? I don't know. It's my assumption that he is. I just me too because he's, based on he's covering for this guy. He's wearing yeah. yellow garb. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, prominent yellow ties and stuff like that. But And it makes me wonder if maybe we won't see him again because we saw very little of him throughout the series. We saw him in episode one and I was like, that guy's going to be something in this episode because you don't just bring that dude in for no reason. Uh, but then we saw him like one other time through the series, through the season. So I'm wondering if in this series he's going to be a recurring character through multiple I seasons. I hope not because I think that, you know, I, I – you think that mystery is already just – it's done. Yeah. Like, and, close and the book. So you got the, the, the Tuttles, but also the Eldritches. Did you did you put the connection together that um, uh, the Lang's husband – or no, the guy that tried to give information to, to Rust about the Yellow King mm-hmm. and was murdered – committed suicide in his cell? <laughs> uh-huh. The, one of the last two officers that led him to the cell and talked to him was an Eldritch. I didn't get that, no. So, or not an Eldritch, an Eldritch, an Eldritch horror. It was a Childress. He was, <laughs> okay. a, he was an officer Childress. So it's yeah, like yeah. there's still a lot of these guys mm-hmm. out here, enough enough critical mass to restart the cult. Probably. I mean, is Reggie Ledoux and his brother slash Cook the only acolytes this guy had? Clearly not. There was a bunch of guys on that tape. Yeah. So 
it's almost like they did the exact same thing they did back then, and these killings are going to continue. And it seems like Russ and Marty have both made peace with that. You get the guys you can. Yeah. You make peace with the ones you can't. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's not all, you know, puppies and rainbows at the end of this thing. <laughs> hmm. But despite the turnaround in uh, Rust attitude. Uh, what else we want to talk about? I want to go back and talk about the Ledoux thing. Okay. When they actually find Reggie Ledoux. Reggie Ledoux? Is yep. that his name? Okay. Uh, when they Reginald find him. If you're nasty. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, they go out to his compound, and I just loved the way that they filmed this oh, because God. they're showing the. They're showing Russ in the interview room, yeah. telling them what happened, which is one thing. Like, boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, with this heavy <laughs> fucking you know, artillery. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it they, just shows him sneaking around toward the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you see later how uh-huh. like he very cold and calculated. And yeah. I also like the line when um, Marty came out and shot the guy in the head. Russ is like, well, good to see you commit to something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But wow. no judgment. I'm like, just right on. Like, okay, how are we going to handle this? Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, Russ was on top of it uh, because these guys clearly needed to die, whether it was by legal means or not. They were doing very, very heinous things that made them worthy of death, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe in uh, capital punishment for various reasons, not the least that which we do a really bad job in this country of it. Mm-hmm. But I still do believe there are people that need to die. Yeah. And if they these guys were if 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 we can kill them for a thirty five cent bullet, all the better. <laughs> oh boy. So um, you know that's what's great about fiction is you can be one hundred percent sure. Um, sure. Yeah. You don't need a trial. We saw it happen. So fuck it. But yeah, uh, it's that was really extremely satisfying, and we saw because there's a lot of questions about whether we're getting unreliable narration. That seems like it got cleared up about middle of the way through the run that they might lie to the detectives, mm-hmm. but the show is not going to lie to us with what we see. Yeah. And I just thought that was really cool, them telling the lies to the two detectives as we're seeing what actually happened work uh-huh. out. It was so fucking satisfying. It made it made you feel way smarter than you are. Sure. It made you feel smarter than the detectives who were interviewing yeah. Russ. Right, right, right. Uh, and, and also at the same time, like he's lying about – why he took uh, time off as well. He's saying, oh, I bet my father was sick or something. Yeah, I had to go back up to Alaska and take yeah. care of that stuff. I don't know. It. I just really liked the last half of the show. Just really, really strong. Okay. Uh, even though it never relented in that dark, uh, heavy tone right. throughout the entirety. Right. Um, the nudity in this show is spectacular. Oh, pretty well dispersed, yeah. but holy fuck. Like, I'm kind of used to, like, a, a lot of these cable shows are going for kind of realistic nudity. Like, you know, maybe I watch too much girls, but I see a lot of fairly average people naked nowadays, and that's cool. <laughs> I like it. All right. But this is, like, skidamax level nudity yeah. in the middle of a serious dramatic work. Yeah, these women were not like, average. That Alexandra D'Addario and Lily Simmons Fuck me, man. My The only complaint I got is if I was a female, they can't give me a little of Matthew McConaughey's ass. Didn't they? I don't think they did. They did. In the scene where he's fucking uh, 
Marty's wife, didn't he they? He was fully clothed. No, he had his pants all the way down. But still, I'm not saying. I mean, there was <laughs> okay. no. There was, there's, why can't the women have some cheesecake? I, I'm with you. I, I just think they did have a little dessert. Or, you know, it'd be awesome if, like, uh, uh, Marty's wife, I think it was Maggie, uh, if she actually did do the uh, Sally Draper, or not Sally Draper, Jesus, the Betty oh, Draper no. went to the bar and nailed, like, a ridiculously hot dude, full-on, uh, full-blown nudity scene. Just give something to the women, man. All right. I think they got it. I think they got a shot of Matthew McConaughey's ass. That's just a shot. We got a we got a <laughs> we got like two shots. Did we really? We got like two shots. I just felt like an I felt like an episode that the nudity. They, well, again, it wasn't everyone. It was just two, mm-hmm. but it was heavy duty. Oh yeah, as Marty said, <laughs> levels of nudity. Yeah, I won't argue that. Withering, withering, <laughs> suppressing nudity. Um, yeah. Uh, what else we want to talk about? Um. Hmm. I don't know. There are some some other really heinous things that happened, like that baby in the microwave really got me. Oh, Christ. Oh, uh, the also just carcass, Carcosa. Yeah, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the atmosphere there. Like, <laughs> they had bags, what it seemed to me like baby corpses just hanging up. And there were, like, real chil- corpses? Like, larger children there, too, of, of like, mummified. Yeah. Like, people wrapped in bandages completely and put into, placed into these cradles within Carcosa. It fucked up, man. Yeah, there's a site, the darknessbecomesyou.com, where HBO put a lot of production stills and stuff. And the huh. stuff, you can go and see, like, the altar Carcosa and, like, details where they hung, like, little charms like you'd get off of a child. Like, a child's bracelet oh, was yeah, hung yeah. up on there. And there's, like, a piles of oysters to demonstrate, like, the New Orleans uh, and Louisiana <laughs> roots. And he, the dude's just eating oysters in Carcosa? I guess. Like, goes down there and, and just, just chows like what down? That would, what that would smell like, uh, I guess, oh. is what is, like, that, that they want to imply that this was just a miasm, just a terrible, yeah. oppressive, and to every sense, offensive to every sense that yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way. Um, and, like, the main altar, um, they used, like, the driftwood arms and had the three skulls, um, and they had the, the spine of the thing was a cow spine to give it a bestial quality. I mean, that's what I'm saying, like, the yeah. give a shit scale, which I really I've, – I've quite, I'm quite pleased with myself for giving this. <laughs> this is kind of like strikes me like same thing with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It seemed like every fucking person from the people that cast, from the people that were probably catering the actors' banquets – Mm-hmm. Uh, on up to the set designers and the costuming, everyone gave a shit and was giving a hundred percent, and that's when the best art gets made. For sure, yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to say about this. I mean, I'm, there are like small Whoosh. plot points. Will we, we do season two? Go over. It. Yeah, I think we're going to cover season two. Um, tell us a little bit about your proposal for season one coverage. Oh, for season one, I would really like to do something that is kind of a tribute to the quality of the show itself by making something a little more interesting than our typical podcast fair, something where maybe, you know, we will do a lot of research on the literary aspects of it. Um, Maybe like have inserts where we read quotes from the book that are particularly relevant to whatever scene we're talking about at the moment. Really get video, like, you know, videos of the director and writer and the articles that are relevant to those episodes. Yeah. Maybe try to have some writers on the show to discuss certain points that we're either unclear about or that we really appreciated. Uh, stuff, something that is just a little bit, a little bit more artful yeah. than 
than sitting down and breaking it down scene by scene and just talking about what we thought was cool. Yeah, and, like, get, get all the, like, because there was a lot of intentional visual things oh yeah that this show put in um i was just before we started uh wise waiting for us to get ready i was going through um you know some of the stuff is like is it is it real or is it not um but you know there's like you know the, the fact that marty's last name's a heart and he shot he talked about the one time he went hunting and shot a 10 point buck which was the kind of antlers that was on laura adora lang um, in fact, when they went to the preacher, um, who is played by, uh, Eli's brother off of, uh, <laughs> uh, or Nucky's brother, Eli off of, uh, mm. Boardwalk Empire. Okay. And he was drinking alcohol out of a cup that had a John Deere logo, which is a yellow deer. Okay. I mean, there's this like all this fucking detail, uh, layered into this show. Yeah. And um like when they were the other thing because they're talking about this like the black sun and these black stars rising and like when they when they drove to russ's uh storage shed there's like that big light in the sky that looked like a midnight sun that Mm. that was also it looked exactly the same as when russ uh stumbled into the main chamber of carcassoa and looked up and there was like that you know little aperture of light that turned into the universe like just tons of shit like that that i would like to go through and get all of that the the really interesting part though is like when season two starts up you can't do that for the early episodes because you just don't know what is gonna actually mean something right like you can look at the stuff that that maybe is very obvious but the stuff they have kind of hidden in there like a john deere logo before you know anything about yellow king what sense does that make? Well, that's what I'm saying. But we could go through on the on the on season one, and definitely all of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But and that's what I'm saying. Like we, this would be kind of like I always talk about the ultimate version of the Wire podcast. I want to do. Yeah, that's kind of like this for the True Detective. Sure. Uh, one other thing. How tense were you when they were showing us the video of the little girl, the grainy black and white video? Because. I felt like I was going to throw up the whole time because knowing HBO like I do, they could show anything. Sure, yeah. And it's like, at what point are they going to cut away and we get like Marty's reaction stuff and how much of this or because I was unsettled by the, li- the what what little I saw. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the first time through, I was very very worried, um, right? Because I like you said, you don't know what you could see. Uh, Marty's reaction to it was extremely severe. Like, Mm. he was absolutely disgusted by what he saw. We weren't shown those parts of it. Right on. We we were shown the setup for whatever Marty saw. And so I had to go back and rewatch it to see why Marty's reaction was so strong. Did they actually show us that? But they didn't. Well, even when they showed that one parish sheriff, uh, Geraci, I think? Yeah, yeah, on the boat. Uh, His scream was pretty fucking extreme, too. So something went on there that we didn't see. Which is, that's another great one. Do I strike you as a talker or a doer? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that whole thing. I mean, they that sheriff was angry and promised vengeance. Well, don't think he's We didn't gonna, see any of that. Well, no, I mean. So there may be uh, future stuff in store for Marty and I don't Rust. think so. Cause, uh, well, I guess because the, the bomb basically went off. He paid that his sniper pal. Um. Yeah. Uh. To do that doomsday device, if any day, if anything happened to them, so there's really no threat at this point. Um. 
So I guess that yeah. they, they could be open for vengeance. But by God, you come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Russ will fuck you up. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're and, – and I don't want – I'm not going to promise a date. I'm not even going to make any promises on this. Yeah, I don't know that it's actually going to happen, but that's – if we were to do coverage of season one, that's how I would like to do and, it. And it would probably be something that we would release closer to season two, to, you know, yeah, just yeah. just because right now I already see a little fatigue in people, and I, I kind of like – we were talking about – I was like, you know, I feel like we're almost too late uh, to be releasing a podcast on this because people are, hmm. are – you know, it's done. It's over with. It's last week. Moving on. Yeah. Um, but next year, I think when HBO starts replaying this first season and they're gearing up for season two, there'll be a lot of renewed interest in this. Mm-hmm. It's weird though because none of this we don't think will carry into season two. Yeah. So we're really just kind of pissing up a podcast rope here. But <laughs> I feel like this show deserves it. Sure, and, and I think you know people are going to see season two and they're going to say, "Oh boy, what was season one like?" And then go back and see that and maybe, you know, enjoy our podcast. And I just for well. I, I don't feel like I got one hundred percent of everything out of this. I no. was watching it more mm-hmm. as a fan mm-hmm. um and a thought was extremely rewarding. And I think now going back and actually getting just extracting every little juice, every little bit of juice out of that is something that uh, is exciting to me anyway. Yeah, and I think that's why we're also doing the podcast the way we're doing it. We're not going back and talking about plot. We're not really talking about the sorts of things that you talk about in a podcast that was current. We're talking we're talking about it as a whole and like themes and meanings and stuff like that. Seems to make a lot more sense when you've you're doing it after the fact. Right. All right, is that it? I think that's a cast. Sounds good. Uh we will not be back next week. <laughs> we will we'll be back next year though. Uh so if you guys are interested in watching season two, please join us then. Uh where we will have a True Detective feed set up uh, and the full podcasting smorgasbord that we usually have for you. But if you are stumbled upon this cast somehow um, and you're not familiar with our work, go to ballmove.com. We've got lots of good television coverage um, and lots of interesting things going on all the time on a weekly basis. Love to have you as a regular listener. And uh, thanks for giving us a, a, a listen on this one.